Wayfarer's Chapel is a national memorial to Emanuel Swedenborg and an ecumenical ministry of the Swedenborgian Church based here in Rancho Palos Verdes, California. We seek to nurture the spiritual journey of all wayfarers traveling through life. Our podcast features our weekly sermon and scripture readings. Enjoy. Heaven was torn open. I read that scripture this morning from the prophet Isaiah in 64. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood, and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, so that the nations might tremble at your presence. I must admit the prophet Isaiah is one of my favorites. Not only it's, it's fiery, it's powerful, and it's describing the essence of the nature of God. And that imagery of heaven, Heaven being torn open. I mean, I really love what a rich image that is for us to embrace at the beginning of Advent. There's a philosophical word, it's called kenosis. Kenosis. And it basically translates to God's self in its infinite form voluntarily coming into a human form that is finite, that is human, that lives like all of us. So out of this tear in the fabric of heaven, the mountains quake at the presence. It animates this natural world imagery in a healthy way that hopefully brings it to life for us in our minds and our hearts about the true nature of the living God. And it challenges our imagination because we tend to consider much of the natural world as not really that alive. It's maybe lesser. The land, the earth, the mountains, we consider them as perhaps just kind of stagnant. They, they exist, but they're not really animated and alive like we relate to in, in the world with one another. It doesn't have the same movement. And yet in this imagery from the prophet Isaiah, where heaven is torn open so that God can come down here, it brings to life some of those more static images that we might hold about the natural world, where mountains are moving, becoming animated themselves, becoming infused more fully with the essence of God, so much that they quake, that they tremble. Reminds me of the powerful words that Jesus spoke during his lifetime with those in his presence. The power that was surrounding was so infused in his connection to that same force that is the center of stars. He told them, even if I didn't speak, these rocks would come alive and speak for me. That imagery, that power, it's available to us all right here, right now. And the Advent is really just a reminder. Every time we have the season where we anticipate the great, it's a miracle. I mean, we, when we talk about God coming into human form in a way that we can relate to it, it should cause us all to just pause and reflect on, on that majesty. And this imagery helps us as we're here on this first Sunday in Advent 
where the world becomes infused more fully with that essence. And it's pretty interesting. The more that we learn about the natural world, especially over the years, we learn that nothing stays the same. Everything is constantly changing, constantly moving, even the mountains. Here on these grounds, you've noticed even the grounds are moving here. Yes, we're praying for a slower land movement. But here, this slide complex, it's the fastest moving, largest in all the entire United States of America. Anyone that drives this away when you, when you pull out of the driveway and head, take a left, wow, you got a little free roller coaster ride over there. You don't have to go to Magic Mountain or anything. Got little whoop-de-doos all the way around. It reminds us all of some of the same imagery that all life is changing. Nothing remains the same. And that's the reminder as we're putting on Advent and putting on that expectation for how Christ is going to reignite your soul anew this season. Set that as our intention. Reawaken that. Over the years, we've come to know more about not only mountains actually moving. I mean, you go back to California and the gold rush, 1849 onward. It was scriptural, but maybe not in the best way of uh, being able to power hose entire hills and mountains where they did get washed away. And actually, the Bay Area was about a third wider and larger than it was presently because of all that silt and, and uh, all that dirt that came down to the, the, through the Delta Basin. So we know the power, not only of ourselves, our connection with God, but this imagery is a reminder to reconnect, reconnect to the living God, that force that is the same thousands of years ago, the same that is right now, and the same that will be in the future. That connection is a big piece of what we are to be reminded of in this first Sunday in Advent. So we now know that there are fault lines. We know that Catalina over there, that island, 27 miles in that direction, it's actually heading north. It's going to pass San Francisco at some point. Over here on this side, we're heading south. Tectonic plates. We're learning a lot about this thing called the Earth. And it turns out, if you go a bit deeper to the center of our planet, there's a whole lot of movement there too. The molten lava, all the ways that it's a moving piece, the center is moving. We're learning all kinds of things every day about this thing that we think is so stable, this land. Things that we believe in this natural world are never going to change. So this rich and powerful imagery from the prophet Isaiah, it sets in motion a bit of that spiritual tone. God is always on the move. God is always changing things. So if you uh, really don't want to be invested in things spiritual, in God, you just want things to stay the same, well, then you probably shouldn't get closer to God. You probably stay there because Look out. As soon as you stake, make those moves, God is going to be inspiring you to do things. It's going to, God's going to test your comfort zones, bring you outside of them a bit. And this is also the nature of what we're celebrating, that word kenosis, that pouring out of God's self into something that 
If you're talking about infinite, and our minds can't really handle infinite, something that's pretty, um, pretty special, just in a short summation here, science. Inspired by the deeply religious as the, at the beginnings, they wanted to celebrate the nature of God and started exploring and here we are, we kind of have those two branches now. I think they're starting to hold hands and come back together with different insights from each perspective. But here's something that's just, it's, it's always fascinating me from the scientific pers perspective. We're 99.9% .9 empty space, according to science, right? So if that's all true, Here's the, here's the mind-blowing piece. Next, tonight, because we got nighttime. The distance between us at the smallest level, the molecular level, kind of like the, the, the neutron and the electron, that, that space, that's within us. What's fascinating, when we look out in outer space, it's about the same distance. Inner space is the same as outer space, in terms of the distance between things. So here we are, having a conversation. We're talking about consciousness. Christ consciousness. When we get to that level, it starts to make more sense about kenosis, God's self pouring God's self into a human form. But God knows how powerful this journey is going to be. God knows the bookends, the start, the finish, the expectation of arriving here to teach. So we talk about the advent, the coming of the Lord, and it's ultimately an ongoing process. Each moment we awaken spiritually, we're bringing more of that through us, we're becoming of divine channel. It's called influx. So let me jump ahead a little bit um, to our other scripture, part of our scripture reading this morning. Celebrating this rich diversity of all of us. It's a, it's a passage that many people consider um, a powerful image for ourselves and our relationship to God. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of your, our iniquity. Yet, O oh Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We are the work of your hand. And I love that just simply because it's a way of accepting who we are in the world. Like, how much did we have any control over this vessel that we're journeying? This is a, an explanation for the, the, that relationship, the clay, the potter. The vessels that we are and how receptive we are in order to receive that ongoing gift of spirit that's pouring itself into us every microsecond. When we feel that connection, there's a reason why throughout scripture, you hear the stories of people's face shining. You see that Moses coming down from Mount Sinai. People were almost afraid to look at him because his face was glowing, it was shining. He was in the presence of the Lord. And here we are with Psalm 80 with that same reference. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. You are enthroned upon the cherubim. Shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your might and come and save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. So that imagery, letting our face shine. 
it's such a rich image and I'll get a, a little, little theosophical here as well because Swedenborg as a mystic he describes angels in heaven being you can read the nature, the character of every, every angel in heaven simply by looking at their face. The face reveals everything. And here in this world, there's something about our face as well that holds a lot even in this world. Before we're, we're still, we're angels in training here so that we have that moment then and there, but it is really hard to hold something in when uh, you're feeling it when you're emotionally uh, in a space. And I've been doing ministry long enough, it's like, well, even myself, people, people can read my face, but I can also read other people's faces, and I know immediately if someone's in crisis. It's really hard um, to change, you know, what's going on on our interiors with what, how we express it on our face. So I like that imagery, and I like how that you know, really celebrates. When we're feeling connection to God, it should be shining through on our face as well. So I've got, um, as I like to do, a little bit of Father Richard Rohr to share with you. Today's not only the celebration of Advent, but it's also Holy Communion Sunday as well, the first Sunday of the month. And he's got this to share about Union. It all begins with union. Where he says, starts off with some scripture here from Romans 8, verses 38 through 39. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He goes on, This week we focus on people who call us to act out of loving union with God for the sake of others. Father Richard considers union with God as something that has already taken place. We either experience it or not. We are already in union with God. There is an absolute, eternal union with God and the soul of everything. At the deepest level, we are hidden in Christ in God, and the whole creation is being brought into the same glorious freedom as the children of God. The problem is Western religion has not taught us this. For most Christians that I've worked with as a priest, God is still separate and out there. Most people are still trying to secure God's approval. Our ego overemphasizes our individuality and separateness from God and others. We limited God's redemptive redemption to the human species and not met very many individuals within that species. Daily contemplative prayer helps us rediscover our inherent union and learn how to abide in presence, trusting that we are already good and safe in God. We don't have to worry about our little private, separate, insecure self. Jesus taught, I am one with you, and you are one with your neighbor, and we are all one in God, with God. That's the gospel, right there. 
That's the whole point of communion or Eucharist. We partake in the bread and wine until they convince us that we are in communion. It seems easier for God to convince bread and wine of their identity than to convince us. Believe it or not, we're not here to save our souls. That's already been done once and for all. In Christ, through Christ, with Christ, and as Christ. By God's love, mercy, and grace, we are already the body of Christ, the one universal body that has existed since the beginning of time. You and I are here for just a few decades, dancing on this stage of life, perhaps taking our autonomous selves far too seriously. That, that little and clearly imperfect self just cannot believe it could be a child of God. I hope the gospel frees us to live inside of a life that is larger than the one of our small selves that we have imagined. The larger body of Christ cannot be taken from us. It is the very life of God which cannot be destroyed. As Thomas Merton wrote in his journal, we are already one, but we imagine that we are not. And what we have to recover is our original unity. What we have to be is what we are. That's a pretty deep statement there. What we have to be is what we are. Again, it's, um, it does require our participation in this. We have to make a step in the direction of the Lord, and as soon as we do that, the Lord comes sprinting towards us. The Lord never violates our free, free will. We have that. We do need to make our own movement in, in that relationship to do our part. And I really love that reflection because it articulates well that deep, deep desire that we all have to merge with the larger body of Christ. And it also lends itself to our New Testament scripture reading this morning, reminding us to remain spiritually alert, spiritually awake. And what he says to one, he says to all, and he says to everyone, Keep awake. Keep awake. So what does that mean? In the Gospel of Mark, we have this rich imagery that Jesus gives to us about returning, the second coming. And it's filled with imagery of the stars falling from the skies, the powers of the heavens being shaken. To our modern ears, those phrases might seem a bit shocking, inspiring some of those bumper stickers, Jesus is coming, look busy. I'm pretty sure that's not what Jesus is asking of us. Pretty sure that with those spiritual eyes open, the awake and aliveness, the Lord is searching our hearts. Where is our focus of attention? Where are we focusing our life energy? Are we following that model that was given to us or not? It's that power and I want to 
make a few things clear about that statement because a lot of things have been used in this scripture over the years historically in various ways and there's not enough time today to go through all the various ways of what Jesus said in this moment actually came to pass historically the history books are filled with those but what he does describe is imagery that would have been very familiar to those who were hearing it at the time. All of those bits of scripture about what the Messiah would accomplish during his lifetime and what that fulfillment would be like. What he does describe is the ongoing process of the birth pangs here on earth of when we are spiritually shifting in that direction of the Lord. Those birth pangs that were there during his lifetime. And the real message today, the unlocking of that scripture passage at its heart, it's in that parable. How do we remain spiritually awake, given all the challenges that we face in life? And in previous sermons, I gave a few of those at the end, like the parable of the two wolves and the one that we feed. But with all that's going on in the world, guess what? It seems to me as the more I study history, it's always been like this. There's always something going on. There's always conflict. There's always strife. There's always spiritual challenges. The difference being, are we attuning ourselves to that higher, to that wiser? Is that what's leading us? I also got to remind people that people have been prophesying the return of the Lord even during Jesus' own lifetime. He said that he was, be, you know, the expectation of the Lord coming back has been here for a couple thousand years. But the big thing to remind people explicitly is that if Jesus does not know exactly when that's going to happen, who are we to speculate? Who are we to speculate? Because that timing of when things are actually going to happen, I'll just read it again. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. So just to put a finer point on this, if Jesus explicitly tells us that neither the angels in heaven nor the Son know the, what moment that will be. It's worth noting and paying attention as humans. And I think the real message of Advent, which is a lot of waiting until we celebrate the day of his birth, it's fair to say in our life, we spend a lot of time waiting. We're waiting in line. Here in LA, you spend a lot of time waiting in traffic. The real message for Advent, the real message for this scripture passage is this. What is the quality of our consciousness as we wait? And if we're able to recognize when we're just lost in our head, we've got the monkey mind going, it's telling us all kinds of stuff, refocus. Put our focus on higher things, higher ways. Recenter, awaken, stay alert spiritually. That's the wisdom that Jesus gave us a couple thousand years ago. It's still alive and well and wise today. 
And I think a few things, especially this time of the year, can help us. We've been having some amazing sunsets. And when you observe a sunset, you start to notice, like, wow, this great creator, this great artist is making this sublime image for each of us. And whether we pay attention to it or not, that's up to us. But it's one of those things that's outside of time. We don't sit there, you know, staring at the, the sunset and our watch at the same time. It is, as I like to use the spiritual term, God's time, kairos, the vertical dimension, when we enter into that. We're already celebrating with the Lord because the Lord wants us to be more in those moments, more aligned with the living God where we are feeling the presence. We're feeling alive. We're feeling joyful. And we're paying attention. We're staying alert. And this collapses a lot of that whole thing about waiting. When you're actually doing that, yes, even traffic can become enjoyable. Even traffic, believe it or not. Because the process of paying attention, staying work, staying awake is the destination we're shooting for. The process becomes the destination. And it doesn't happen automatically. I'm just here to point it out, remind us all. We all need reminders. That is how we enter in more fully to that which has already been going. That's how we enter into the season of Advent more fully of simply acknowledging that ongoing process of the Lord moving into us, divine influx. Already, but not yet, is another way of phrasing it. It's already done in heaven, and we are trying to anchor that more fully here on earth. And I will just simply point out, as we're finishing our time in, in the message today, this continues to be a radically different way of existing in the world. It's a radically different way of holding ourselves as beloved children of the living God. God wants us to be happy and joy-filled. Life's not easy. But guess what? When we have an ally, when we have the advocate, when we have the presence with us, it makes all the difference in how we journey and how we get through the challenges. Sustaining, creating a spiritual reality requires our attention, and I invite us all. Again, getting back from the difference, presence with a TS are great, but presence with a CE, even better. Happy Advent, everyone, and may the Lord Jesus Christ bring his holy presence to each of us and to our world this Advent season. Amen.